Hello and welcome to another edition of the Chini Vision podcast. Great guest today, it's Rob Geigerpunk from Rob's Retro Rambles. Hi Rob. Hello you. Tell us a little bit about your YouTube channel first of all. It's just me playing games at random. I'll just pick a game that I fancy and play it. And uh, unlike yourself with all your fancy capture magic, I literally point a camera at a TV screen and talk while I'm playing. But the thing is, it's like being in the room with you. Yes. I do like channels where they do proper research and they'll tell you all that. But it's that's like attending a presentation. This is more sitting next to your mate, having a, having a natter while you play games, while you're waiting for your turn. I tell you, well, I tell you what exactly like it's like going around my mate's house where he would play the games the entire time. And I'd sit there just watching him because I wasn't <laughs> going to get a chance on the computer playing his new games. It's exactly like that, but it's it's good, it's great, and it's it's a very different experience from a from a lot of YouTube channels. So, where did you first come across computer gaming? That would have been when I'm assuming it must have been for Christmas. Uh, we got a grandstand multi. Pong type thing uh, with Kevin Keegan on the cover. So that dates it a bit. It must have been about 79, 80, I think. It's got, it had about eight different versions of Pong. There was like hitting a block against a wall, hitting a block against a wall with two players. And then there was multiple different bat types. So you could pretend it was tennis or you could pretend it was football. And then the last two were light gun games because it came with a rifle that also converted into a pistol. And uh, so, so that was, that was the first, that must have been, late 70s early 80s we got we got a grandstand machine and then we got a commodore 64 with one tape deck one joystick and one game and the joystick broke and got taken back and so we had that and, and a load of books on basic and programming and stuff that we never paid any attention to because we wanted to play the games so yeah that was about 83 had a commodore 64 and then that commodore 64 lasted me until i went to uni in the mid to early 90s and i still took it to uni with me but then in my second year of uni i bought a 486 and yeah then the c64 finally got packed away but it, it lasted a good old while so this isn't one of these podcasts where you've got a very interesting computing history before the c64 but the co-host for example jumps on and goes so when did you get your C64? Skipping over all of that stuff. It genuinely <laughs> was your first computer and there wasn't much going on before then. No, no, I was running around in fields, climbing trees, all that sort of stuff, and then suddenly Commodore 64, forget all that. Oh, tree, trees, brown, Commodore 64, brown. Yes, I'm sorry, I can't, yes, yes. I can't help myself. So No, what, no what, one ever said stuff? anything about brown when we were kids. It was always the Commodore 64 was blocky and the, and the Spectrum had colour clash. No one ever had said anything about brown. That seems to be a very recent thing. Mainly because my mate with the C64 only had a black and white set. So <laughs> the first time I saw it in colour is he bought it around my house. Um, so what games were you playing on it? Uh, the first game that we had was Depth Charge. Dad brought home one day a game called Pulse 64, P-U-L-Z 64. I've covered it on the channel and I've also um, managed to uh, capture it because it wasn't up on any any sites. I did get that captured. That should be out there on whatever ROM sets are out there. Uh, and it's basically snakes are coming down from the ceiling. You're at the bottom. You're shooting up towards them. Eventually, they will get you. Uh, but yeah. uh, So we had those two games, and then it was time for me to start buying games. So I bought Jet Set Willy and BMX Racers with te for £10 Christmas money one year. And that's quite and a big jump up, playing Jet Set Willy, being able to wander around all of those rooms. Oh, yeah, yeah, because um, Depth Charge was literally just a single screen 
boat versus submarines jobby and then polls was everything just on one screen and then suddenly jet set willy oh i've heard so much good things from all my friends about that i hadn't played it on any friends machines it's just everyone was talking about jet set willy then it's like i'm having jet set willy with my christmas money and yeah suddenly being able to go all around these rooms all over the place and to be fair bmx races even though it was rubbish scrolling up the screen music playing that that was quite something and i think the next one i got then was booty for £2.50, and that was another, oh, lots of screens to explore and lots of platforms and things, so so it, it, slowly the world expanded like that. And I, but I distinctly remember Action Biker Clumsy Colin being a big favourite because I enjoyed that on Spectrum, on Friends. Don't know why. Looking back at it now, no idea why I enjoyed it because it's a terrible game, but I bought it on the C64 and it's an entirely different game and it's isometric 3D and... and the ability to go behind objects was mind blowing for me. It's like, oh my god, what? It's like it's like a real three D world. So that was quite something. It's a, it is. It's a it's a strange kind of okay. You die in many different ways, but it's a strange kind of sandbox game with that display. It's a shame that it's not on the spectrum. Well, it is on the spectrum, but it's a different game. Yeah, and it's it's great on the C sixty four and the Atari. Just being able to wander around this map. And again, if you hadn't seen something like that before, it would have been, yeah, remarkable. I'm thinking it's like the way people rave about Ant Attack, and Ant Attack never grabbed me. I think it, I, I played Ant Attack a bit too late. But if I'd played Ant Attack first and a real 3D city to wander around, that probably would have grabbed me more. But on the internet, I had this strange 3D town that looped around on the edges and things, but you could ride around it on a bike. So obviously that's much cooler than Ant Attack, wasn't it? But... Yeah, it's it's what you've got, really. There, yeah. there is this tendency in the community to gravitate towards certain games, and I, I'd never played Out Attack until the nineties, yeah. for example. Never I even think, seen, didn't know what it was about. I think it was the same for me, to be honest. Looking, but doing a little bit of retro gaming in the nineties and going, oh, that was that, was it? All right, never mind. <laughs> it is. It's kind of group, almost like a group thing, which is good. What you try and do in your channel show different, more obscure games. You mentioned there about your friends having different computers. So what did they have? I had a friend with a VIC-20. And obviously, first thing I did, oh, it's Commodore, it's Commodore. Can I borrow one of your games, see if it loads? Obviously, it didn't, but I had to try. So I, I ruled that out. So there was one friend with a VIC-20 and uh, two friends with Spectrums. One of the Spectrum owners, when the C64C came out, he upgraded and got a Commodore 64C and uh the vic 20 oh yeah the vic 20 owner he also got a commodore c64c the hollywood pack the one that came with platoon and various others and that was oh that's really nice uh he must have been hanging on to that vic 20 for a while oh yeah he had a lot of um adventure games on cartridge and he and his parents they'd sit of of an evening in the living room and and work on adventure games on the vic 20 Seemed very odd to me at the time when you could play shoot and <laughs> things like that, but it was a nice family pastime for them. But yeah, he then got that. And uh, the other Spectrum owner I know, um, he kept going with that until he got a SNES and then he got a Jaguar. So yeah, make of that what you will. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, as the years goes on, I say you're sticking with the C64. Oh, yeah. Uh, any peripherals coming in, different games? Oh, well, that was one of the things. Uh, I, I did buy a disk drive uh, for my 64 from a bigger boy in sixth form who uh, was uh, who'd moved on to Amiga. And uh, this uh, this bloke had, he must have been uh, doing quite well because he had a modem, he was on CompuNet, he was doing lots of trading and things. He had boxes of games on disk. Basically, I bought his disk drive and all his disks, and I suddenly had 300 disks 
half of which had games on, half of which had demos and all sorts of things from CompuNet. And it was just like, here's the internet in archive form. Enjoy. <laughs> and and two little notebooks listing what, one page per disc saying what was on each disc. And I was just going through going, this is fun, this is fun. This is fun. Oh, and it came with action replay and freeze machine cartridges because different ones, different discs had been saved with different di- with different cartridges. So you needed the right cartridge for the right disc. Suddenly I had 300 discs with all sorts of games, including stuff like Catechist and things that had never been released. It's like, oh my word, what is what have I got here? So that was fun. This kid's got a C64, a modem, a disc drive, an action replay, and lots of games on discs that you haven't said have have boxes. He sounds like <laughs> a, a gaunch gardener from Grange Hill, if you will, uh, character... I, yeah. I hesitate to use the word software pirate, but was that what was going on? Um, to be fair, th- there were a stack of legitimate discs as well. He did buy he did buy discs as well. It looks going by the receipts. I think he he sent off to US Gold and got them, bought them directly, and things like that. So I don't know how or why. A lot of my early disc games, legit ones, were bought with that disc drive as well. And there are a lot of legit ones, but yeah, there were three hundred discs because he, he had he had a mate with it who also had a modem and i think they swapped between themselves so they download stuff and they also bought things but yeah it was a, it was a lot of pirated stuff he was a bit dodgy but yeah he also <laughs> had as I, I i guess maybe when you're paying that much on a phone bill you can't afford to buy the games so <laughs> <laughs> i'm i'm just thinking um as an amstrad owner with a disc 6128 owner with a disc drive you go into wx smith's in our small town and you would perhaps see one disc game on oh, sale yeah. for the CPC. Yeah. And, and you know, I, that's how I got Robocop. I didn't want Robocop. It was a, I had money in my pocket. There was a disc game there. I thought, oh, well, it's been number one for 10 billion years, so it can't be that bad. And that's how I got it. But I don't yeah. recall, apart from specialist software shops, seeing C64 disc games around. So were you finding them in shops? Were they hard to get hold of? Very, very lucky finds here and there, generally. there Because most of the time, Boots, Smiths, and all the other news agents, it was always cassettes, and that was it. But there was one computer shop in town that stocked all the major ones, and occasionally, very occasionally, you'd see a Commodore 64 game. And sometimes it was within within price range, like um, Bubble Ghost. I think that cost me something like three, four pounds, but I had no idea about it. I, I, I think I remember the review being, eh, it's all right. But it was like three, four quid for a disc game. I'm having it. I'm just having it. It's simple as that. It's a disc game. On, on, on the flip side of that, one day I was incredibly lucky. Like, I think the month before, I'd bought Turrican on cassette and had been blown away by it. And then a month or two later, suddenly at the local computer shop, Turrican was there for C64 on disc. So Ooh. I bought it. So I bought it a second time so I could have it on disc. <laughs> You say you've been to chains. What were these local computer shops like that you were going to? Oh, little, literally, you know, as, as they say, mom and pop, sort of just uh, some grumpy blokes behind the counter in a small little shop around a side alley in, in town in Bridgend. And, uh, yeah, it, it, nothing nothing much to speak of. I think they, they slowly moved to other places when PCs started taking over and they started doing a, oh, we'll build you a, a 486 or whatever, that sort of thing. And then I think... Probably by the time Pentiums came around, they weren't around anymore. I don't know what happened to them because I disappeared off to uni. When I came back, they weren't around. A lot of these shops were quite short-lived, and mm. uh, including the infamous one 
in my town, which the local kids nicknamed Hitler Games. Yes. Um, because the owner looked like Hitler and it lasted precisely one year, the length of his lease. Oh, blimey. But, so the C63, you, you really are, as you mentioned, sticking with it. So oh, yeah. what was it like as the kind of, as an Amstrad owner who also stuck on pretty much to the bitter end, um, what was it like as the things were declining and you, were you still able to get hold of games easily or were you tempted to go elsewhere? My bedroom had three large drawers, supposedly for my clothes, and then, a, a, you know, it's like a long desk, three large drawers on one side, three small drawers on the on the other side for your socks and pants and that sort of thing. And basically, I just put all my clothes into the small drawers and slowly filled up the large drawers with games. <laughs> just all the discs and all the cassettes just filled these drawers. And so I wasn't short of games and I wasn't bothered about, oh, friends got like snares and mega drives, things like that. There was a mega drive at the local video shop that you could rent out if you left a deposit. But fortunately, my friend's mum worked there. So she was like, don't worry about the deposit. You know, you can just rent it for the rental price. So we'd we'd rent a mega drive and we'd get John Madden and Alien Storm. And I can't remember what else. Oh, probably Road Rash. Uh, but this was before Sonic came out, so my, my my knowledge of the Mega Drive stops before before Sonic. We'd just play a few of those early games, and it was like, could I get a console? It was like my parents were very much that's hundreds of pounds, and 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 the games cost how much each? No, you're not having that. That's that's, that's ridiculous money. What well, you've got the computer there? What are you going to do? And and I was fine with that. I was happy with the games that I had. I could go around to friends' houses and play on their fancy consoles if they wanted, and I had the biggest collection of games for the Commodore 64 probably in the entire school. And as they upgraded, like if they got an Amiga or if they got a console, they were keen to sell off their old computers. So I generally bought their old computer as a spare and all their entire collection of games for like £20 or something like that. (laughs) Suddenly my collection was even bigger, and it meant that they could still play their old games when they came around to my house. So that worked out quite nicely for me. I, I slowly amalgamated all my friends' computers into my own collection. It's essentially how I started collecting without knowing about it, picking up 90, kind of one-ish, 92 uh, Spectrum Plus and another Spectrum Plus and put them together and made them work because yeah. both of them were broken off of friends and their games, uh, which I still have those games. That, and you're not aware, but you've suddenly become a collector. Yes, an unfortunate... See, I've just remembered now, one of the ones that I got saying about getting Commodore 64s, I got a toast rack. I was a toast rack owner, second hand, but somewhere there is a toast rack with a power supply on it with the Nine Inch Nails logo painted onto it because I was bored one day and decided to paint Nine Inch Nails onto the the power supply. So if you ever see a power supply for a toast rack with the NIN logo on it, that, that was mine because I don't know what happened to it. I thought it was up in my parents' loft. And when I went up there to get my Commodore 64 down and have a rummage round. I found all sorts of other bits, boxes of Lego, all sorts of things. Can't find that toast rack. There's a box somewhere with a toast rack and my Commodore 64 paddle controllers. And I don't know what else. I just know that that toast rack is missing somewhere, which is annoying because I think I paid probably £50 for it with a cassette deck and all this guy's games as well. And they're a bit more than that now. So, I mean, this is where the collecting begins. Yes. So tell us about how it expanded. Um, 
well, that's the thing. I, I went to uni and I took it with me and, and enjoyed playing that. And But then it was like other friends, they'd got 486s or Macs. And it's like, yeah, kind of, I'm doing a computing course. I do kind of need to have my own computer at home. So savings and parents helping. And uh, I got a 486DX266. And I had a choice of, do I want 8 meg of RAM or do I want a CD drive and sound card? And I saw Doom in the shop running on that equivalent machine and one with a CD drive and sound card and one with 8 meg of RAM. And I saw no difference between the sound, between the amounts of RAM, but I did see a difference in having sound. Suddenly stereo sound was, oh my word. Yeah, I'm having the sound card. So it took me a while to upgrade to be able to get anything more that required more than four meg of RAM. But that was Doom. That was Day of the Tentacle, all sorts. I, I was just playing PC games nonstop then for the next 10 years, probably. And the 64 got put away into the loft. So Presumably, uh, though, you're running emulators and things on the PC because this was the boom time yeah, when all this stuff came out. I dabbled a bit. I remember... I remember first seeing some Spectrum emulators and going, well, oh, that's got, but didn't have much joy with Commodore 64 ones to start with. I'm not sure what. And it, it felt emulated. It didn't feel like the same thing. Oh, yeah. It, it, it was. It was like, oh, yeah, it's good. You can, you can run that now. Oh, now I can play. But there was, at the time, it was, it still felt like it's a novelty. Oh, look, you can, you can do that. But it's like, well, I could do the real thing if I wanted to do that. But yeah, it's kind of cool that I can do this, but the PC, I'll play PC games, or I'll play Carmageddon and all this other stuff. If I want to play C64, I'll, I'll play on the 64. But you've got this massive collection now of machines, for example, an Amstrad CPC 464, your yes, favourite machine. <laughs> <laughs> and all these other bits of kit you've got. So how did that begin? Because I'm guessing it didn't begin. I, I was assuming, like me, it had begun when you were at school obtaining all these bits of kit, but mm. it sounds like it actually started after the PC era. Pretty much. Um, well, around about, ooh, let's see, it was about 90, 98, 99, I met uh, my now late wife, Jules, and she had uh, a Mega Drive. And so we then had a Mega Drive and various other things, and uh, an N64 and... Uh, master system and I think I picked up a, a SNES cheap somewhere just at random oh and around about 2000 as well in a junk shop I picked up a Vectrex for £12 with uh, with a, with an extra cartridge of um, scramble in it because I just saw it in the junk shop went oh my god that's a Vectrex I wonder if they know what they've got there and obviously they didn't well, yeah, mate, I, how much do you want for this uh, 12 quid yeah alright then walked out the shop trying not to giggle insanely <laughs> shaking as i got it out there and it still worked it's like oh my god that's probably the best bargain i've ever had but it was just these occasional oh that's that's cheap you know car boot finds and that sort of thing just picking up the odd bits and pieces and then sort of like ps3 came around and i'd, I'd picked one up fairly cheap and i started trying to play battlefield with the and it was like it's like playing golf with the boss it just wasn't fun and I just didn't, couldn't get into it. And and the PS3 kind of ruined me for games. I got so bored with all the just samey stuff that was coming out, all the same sort of... You said, you joke about Commodore 64 being brown. There were so many brown shooters. In, and and it was also very much like... Um, I don't know if you ever went to UK Resistance, Gary Cutluck's uh, website. 
very much um, blue skies in games. All these modern games are all rubbish. We want to go back to running fast with red sneakers on and blue skies in games when things were happy. I was like, yeah, I, although I was never really into Sonic, I can grok that. Uh, you know, I, I, I felt a calling there that, yeah, older games are, are more my thing. And I've got so fed up with modern gaming that I got a, because um, my Xbox was chipped, I had an emulator, I had emulators on that. I'd, I'd been watching people like Steve Benway playing games badly, just so you can see what they look like. You don't have to be an expert and you don't have to do a You can sit and play a game and go, oh, I remember this game. And so that's where my channel then came from. I I just started doing emulated C64 stuff on Xbox and things slowly spiraled from there as I slowly picked up more machines and started doing it with real hardware and started taking over a corner of the bedroom and then eventually took over an entire bedroom with the amount of stuff that I've got. And it's just all gone a bit mad from there, really. It does grow. Um, I'm sitting in my work office looking at a GX4000 on the top of the filing cabinet and Amstrad JY2 behind the mixing desk. And I think, yes, it's uh, it, it, this stuff can get out of hand. What's the pride of your collection? Well, I think it's, probably, it's, it's still going to have to be the um, the Vectrex because there's nothing else. There's nothing else like it. I do love my Commodore One Two Eight that I picked up a few years ago. That's that's a very nice daily drive, I find. And I do finally have a full uh, Mega Drive Tower of Power with Mark One CD CD unit and the Thirty Two X that me and my mates all laughed at back in the day. <laughs> yeah, it, it's. It gets to be an itch that you need to scratch whether you can play in the games that are, how many games in the 32x have I played three or four so far but they're there it's 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 they're all there so that I can play them when I want to and they're all wired up and ready to go that's the, that was the other thing I wanted I didn't want to have stuff on shelves I wanted consoles that you go mm, what do you fancy do you want snares do you want nares do you want satin do you want this and just switch them on and the TV is all wired up. That was a nightmare to get all hooked up, and it's an absolute oh, mess because yeah. you know what cables are like for just retangling themselves, and you you move one thing and suddenly everything else breaks. But most of the stuff is live and ready to go, with the exception of the computers, because there's only so many power supplies you can have plugged in at, at one time. It's the setup you've got. It's um, if I didn't have a YouTube channel, it would be quite different. I suspect I wouldn't have things like the ST. I wouldn't have an ST at all, yeah. to be honest. I'd have there's things I have to get out for the channel, like the Archimedes, that I'd much rather have out for me. But it's there's a kind of feeling of this monster that you've got that you're riding that almost like dictates what you're doing. Do you find that? Yeah, a bit. Like like you say with the ST, I, I've got an ST, and I couldn't even tell. Is it a five a five twenty some STFM? Maybe I can't remember because I I only knew one kid in school with an ST, and it, and he wasn't a friend of mine, and he was just like friend of a friend of a friend. He's like, oh, he's got an ST, is he? Oh, that's interesting. I've never got to play it, so I've got no. You know, if I want to play something like that, well, I've got an Amiga twelve hundred. I'd use that instead, wouldn't I? So there's probably ST owners going. At that now, but it's just it, yeah, like early, I said, early own... Amiga games. <laughs> yeah, that's I know where it. That's where your SD comes in. <laughs> when yeah. they didn't buy the early stuff, where they did it originally on the Atari, and uh, all people are going to hate me, but I, I say this stuff on the channel, and it it's true. It's yeah, because everyone complained stuff. about lazy ST ports, and that was that. So yeah, yeah, but yeah, I've 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 got some systems that I've picked up 
dirt cheap just because oh maybe I'll do I've got I've got two TI ninety nines. I've never seen a TI ninety nine. One day I'll get around to playing them and covering them on the channel just because other people might like to see a TI ninety nine. But I've got no eh, you know, love of it. So I mean I love the Dreamcast, but it doesn't fly on Chinny Vision. Yeah. Um, it just doesn't, and it, there's no, there's no point trying to fight that. It's I, I would, it, it, I would sit down and play Wetrix all day long, for example. Um, but I just because I'm capturing, I just don't get the time. It's sitting there, but I just don't get the, the time to do it. And as you say, it's trying to select what you're going to cover. I do, ba- I try and batch capture. I try and do three, two or three games on the system at once to save swapping stuff around too much but it, you sit there and i go on somewhere like cpc power and say right okay what publisher haven't i covered recently go down the list trying to pick games you've got to make sure you've got, got it for all the systems and it can become a chore which is again why i like yours because if you're just sitting down and playing one system yeah like c64 it's just nice and easy and those are two or one system game reviews i do say like, it's nice and easy it's not not all the hassle of oh, wait, do I have a crack for that that's going to let me get through that version quicker because I can't play these games for two hours each uh, and yeah. all that? Whereas if I've got something and I've accidentally, I've accidentally turned on Infinite Lives and like, I, I'm then stuck playing it because I go, well, I guess we're in for this one until the end then, aren't we? <laughs> or like when I foolishly tried to play uh, Sensible Soccer and accidentally stuck it onto, what was it, um, some kind of league mode where it just kept giving me match after match after match after match. And I was just <laughs> like, please make it end, please. What are you looking to get for your collection next? I'm still looking for a toast rack. And I've got, I've got a lead. There, there's, a, there's a shop. I don't, I, I don't want to say exactly who, but they've said that they've got one that they're working on. And the guy who fixes these things thought he had it fixed but he's not sure, and so, so they're going to get back to me when it's fixed and let me know, and they're not going to let it go to anyone else in the meantime. So it's like, oh, okay. So I'll I'll hold out hope for a uh, for a uh, toast rack at some point there. But I've got a 30-odd-year-old cassette that Dad brought home from work that I've never been able to play, and they're all Commodore PET games. So I would love to get a Commodore PET just to play that cassette. But unfortunately, uh, I missed my chance to find one cheap at a car boot sale 30 years ago, didn't I? So uh, they're they're silly money now. And, of course, Rod Hull has stopped doing his mini pet now. If he still still had those, I might might consider saving up for one of those. But sadly. That's the future was 8-Bit who was doing those kits. I mean, yes, uh, there was a point in the 90s where you were falling over pets. They were all over school just sitting there doing nothing. Mm. They were the first, apparently, the first computers the the school ever had, and they would just be sitting in the RE room, yeah. had a pet at the back. I don't think it was used for anything. The science room had a pet. I don't think it had been turned on in 10 years. Um, we had Australian schools so where they went from pets to BBCs to Amstrad CPCs to Opus PCs, 486s. Ooh. Yeah. Um, so were they for it? Uh, no, no, two eight sixes. What am I saying? They were two eight sixes, but yeah, they they got through computers pretty quickly. But yeah, you were falling over them, yeah. and then um, now they are absolutely absurd money. I remember seeing um, in the uh, storeroom of the physics lab a whole stack of TRS eighties. Unless this was in gold, I was like, oh my god, that's a TRS. I've heard of these. So, so can I have one of these? No. 
and then never saw, saw them again. I don't, don't know what happened. I was like, oh, well, that was the closest I ever got to a TRS-80. But on, on the flip side, a, f- a friend who um, works for um, a local school, um, one, one of the local schools was being bulldozed and rebuilt as a brand new site elsewhere. So they were clearing out a whole load of stuff. He brought me a, an Archimedes and a, an Acorn Risk PC oh. 20. And so, so I've got those, but obviously you know what it's like with with an Archimedes. If they haven't, fortunately, mine's working. It didn't have the bat. It still had the battery in, but I got that out sharpish. And there was a battery in the wrist PC, and that wasn't damaged. But you know what these things are like. It's like it's like finding a Morgan barn find. <laughs> oh, it's this, it's this old, weird, expensive machine, and you try and find parts. You try and find a keyboard for a for an Archimedes, and you go, oh, someone will go, oh, you got an Archimedes, you've got money, then pay up. And I see on YouTube that you're building an arcade machine. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, a local friend, um, Game Whisperer, pointed it out to me. He said he keeps an eye on a lot more of um, the local gum tree and that sort of thing. And someone was giving one away free. And and it was even been dismantled and was sitting flat-packed in the boot of their car. They'd taken the monitor for a spare for one of their own, but they had a TV that would fit. And they, they said, that'll work. And it's so like... Do I want an arcade machine? Yes, of course I want an arcade machine. Do I want a huge golden tea arcade machine? It's like, well, might as well go big or go home. So, yeah, I got a flat-packed golden tea arcade machine with a nightmare of a loom inside it, and I basically gutted it because if, if it had been a, a classic arcade machine, I would have gone, oh, no, that needs to be restored. Golden tea, no one cares about those, do they? Uh, so, uh, yeah, I've basically got new loom and sweated and caught, lost blood to this machine, getting the TV fitted inside and slowly fitting it up and trying to see... Because I've, I, I've got a few jammer boards that I picked up cheap years ago just on the off chance, and they work. So I was like, well, I can put those in and then I can have this huge thing sitting in the middle, in the corner of the living room that I can play two games on. So I'm I'm looking into a Pi solution so um, maybe at some point, maybe I'll be doing arcade machine, uh, arcade games rather than rather than MAME. It'll be actually point a camera at an arcade machine as I play it. What are the plans for the channel? I've, I might have exhausted all the games that I've got happy memories of. So I think it's more going to be me playing a random game for the first time and seeing what it's like. You'll be on Rick the Roadie in no time. And whereabouts <laughs> can people find you? Well, I would say Twitter. That would normally be my normal place, but who knows where Twitter's going these days. And In terms of YouTube. Around. But YouTube, it's at Rob's Retro Rambles. Or is it Geigerpunk? One or the other. If you search for Rob's Retro Rambles or Geigerpunk on YouTube, you'll find me. Thanks for joining me today. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me.